Welcome back to another episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Joining me for our 26th installment is DJ, label boss, and promoter, Vera. start DJing in the 1990s, Vera moved to Berlin, where she has become a fixture at Habitasse and CDV, clubs which are also home to Meliflow, the event series she founded in 2016 with fellow DJ Alexandra. Meliflow has since become a quintessential Berlin party, famous for its long nights, its tight-knit community, and especially its music. Vera herself has mastered the expressive journey-like DJ set, and in this conversation, we discuss how emotional connection between the DJ and the event, the crowd, and the music can feed the soul. something that you told Matt Unicomb in your RA interview a couple of years ago. Uh, You said that as a DJ, you have to offer a lot of yourself. Can you tell me a bit about what you meant by that exactly? You express something personal, right? And it's, um, I mean, it's kind of like you expose your soul in a way, you know? It's also a service at the same time. Sometimes I feel like it's 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 a like a, a little bit of an emotional striptease or like a soul striptease. Mm-hmm. Like music that you play reflects uh, some something that is inside of you, and and even whether you want this or not, in order to actually express something, you need to connect to that and be willing to expose it. Was that a lesson that you had to learn over time or like when you played your first DJ set, for example, did it feel like that kind of exposure that it does now? Um, I don't know, like it's... Sometimes you don't realize how it drains you, you know, like sometimes you play like this really long sets and you really give like a lot of energy and then you stop playing and like in the moment everything's done, it's the exchange with the people and after the set all of a sudden you feel like, wow, I'm so drained, you know, Mm. like I gave a lot in order to make this work and like to make also everybody happy. I mean, you get also a lot, but it's... Um, it's at the same time, it can also be exhausting. Do you think that extends to everybody? Like if you're writing or if you're making paintings or whatever it is that you're doing that's creative, do you think that that's soul exposing in the same way? Or is there something about being a DJ that is more expressive? No, I guess that is, I, I could imagine it's uh, it's in a similar way. But in when you teach or you play live or maybe you do a public reading, although the public reading is different because the creative process happens before. No? Right. But like when you do like the live, a live uh, show, it's, it's, I guess it's different because you're in direct contact uh, with the crowd and you're on a stage and people look at you and it's... It's a different energy that affects you. Does that get tiring for you? Like, you, you said that when you're playing, you give a lot of energy. Like, when you're playing, does it feel like fun? No, it's it. of course it's fun, but sometimes it's work, you know, mm. and sometimes you have to make it work. Also, sometimes you don't really feel like exposing yourself. Maybe you're in a wild, vulnerable moment mm. or you're just not in a great mood. You feel more introvert and you still have to be there and have kind of be... I mean, I'm not like anyway too extrovert when it comes to DJing, not the kind of person that is like entertaining stuff, but still I have to give something for mm-hmm, myself. Mm-hmm. And then you're forced to connect to your heart or to any kind of emotions and, yeah, in order to play a nice set. But it's, 
maybe you don't even want that in that moment. Maybe mm -hmm. you just want to be left alone or yeah. something, you know? Like, And I think sometimes for DJs especially, people expect you to have this kind of like happy face where you're, mm -hmm. you know, playing and really enjoying yourself. But I think for some DJs, it's a bit hard to do that. Uh, I pro probably people would say that I'm not laughing a lot, <laughs> which doesn't mean that I'm not happy, you know? It's just like I'm... I, I sometimes I just lose myself in the music and I'm very focused and like I I'm not the kind of entertainer I also like to have my peace and quiet in a DJ booth I don't like it when it's like too messy around because it just distracts me I mean it depends you know like it depends on the situation sometimes things just flow in and I'm not bothered but it can affect me very strongly when um Just all the time people passing through the DJ booth mm. or like people try to talk to me during my set and I like have a conversation. So I'm usually quite focused and when I'm focused, I don't smile necessarily. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you observe me well, I always look, try to look at the dance floor and find a face. And like if I see a happy face there, I smile back mm -hmm. or I smile at someone and they smile back. I think that's interesting because it's not like when you're at a concert, for example, and you're watching a band play or something, people are not like trying to have a chat with them, mm -hmm. walking on the stage yes. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting difference. Yeah. Do you think that you can ever, maybe not completely, but like, you know, 90% hold yourself back and play a good DJ set? Would that even work as a performer? Or do you think that you have to be like fully open to this expression? I think with the time you, you develop a certain kind of um, professionality when it comes to that and you can play a coherent set without... Um, Uh, completely stripping yourself open or like opening because you know what works and you have like enough experience, you know your records well and you can play them in a nice way. But I think still the, the most special sets are also the ones when you're most open in my experience, you know, in my like, when I feel like I have something to give in this moment. I have something to say that is like, I feel inspired. I have a good, that I feel good about myself and there's something I want to share and I can share in this moment. And those are usually the sets when I also know, like then the feedback is great and you just feel, you know, that there was like some kind of open channel or something that mm -hmm. was transmitting to the crowd. So you mentioned before that you know, sometimes you're not in the mood to be expressive or you're, you are in a vulnerable place. And so when it's like that for you, are there times when you hold yourself back a bit? There's also the part of preparing your records at home, no? Um, which is already like, I select my records in the moment, like, and I, it, I select the ones that express the mood that I'm in in this moment so of course this is already like a reflection of how i feel so there is a certain mm -hmm. openness uh, maybe sometimes it goes a bit more dark than mm -hmm. this other moment where it's happier or sometimes maybe very emotional stuff like that but um still um i probably kind of hold back or i have a harder time to connect to the music and therefore also like the way i present it might be affected by that. Does that change in a positive way when it's your own party, Melly Flow? Um, because, you know, it's all your friends around and you feel like probably you're most comfortable. Uh, in a way, yes. I, the, what makes it comfortable is that the place where we hold the parties is the DJ booth is comfortable at Hopitos. I mean, we're doing mostly the parties at Hopitos. The sound is nice, it's the friends around. I know that the crowd is quite open to the music that we play and that we present. But at the same time, it's also 
we usually invite people that um um that are really nice DJs and like the I, I for me like the level at our parties everybody plays quite nice in those parties mm -hmm. and so it's there's also a little bit of pressure if you're a kind of person that Uh, thinks about that a lot and wanting to, you know, like also deliver something nice. And many times I play at the end. I mean, there has been a lot of times that I played the end with 12 DJs in one night. It's like you have to kind of find your niche. You want to add something. You kind of also want to do something special. And a lot of has already been said in this musical world that we're, we're in. Uh, it makes it sometimes a little bit harder. But uh, um, yeah, it depends. Uh, to be honest, I mean, I can not 100% control how open or relaxed I am. It's just, I mean, we're in different moods every day and sometimes we cannot mm. control it. I had situations in our parties where I was not relaxed and not really open and got stressed and also the fact that we are also organizing the yeah, party, you know. True. There's like, you're not 100% only with yourself and you're focused on your set, but also like other people having fun, as everybody have what they need and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and is everything working, the equipment and blah, blah, blah. Those are all factors that influence the way I feel. Would you say... You know, occasionally at a Melly Flow party when everything is going really well and, you know, you play your set. Do you think that's the time when you feel like the most free as a DJ? Or um, when was the last time you felt very free as a DJ? Um, I guess maybe my last gig at Mutterbohr. Also the episode festival. Like situations where I just know that there is a nice sound system, a nice crowd, an inspiring situation like for example episode you play this i played this after our when ricardo and um rarish played the main party and i played the after hour at the, at the beach there's people from all over the world gathering like a lot of friends are there and it's like the situation where it's just free and i have a lot it it already starts at home you know when i prepare my records and i imagine the situation and i just know that there will be the right place to present the music that I just want to present and I have all the artistic freedom because people are up for it. And I know how to describe the situation musically, you know? Mm. If the if the situation, the idea of the situation inspires me, then I select my music more freely and then I also feel free to present it that way. You know, there's other situations where you either you don't know the place or, you know, it's like, okay, this is going to be more of a gig that you do to make some money or where it might not be as open-minded and you have a short set and have to be more compact with everything mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. need to make it work. That's the situations where I don't feel so... Or maybe I don't allow myself so much freedom. Maybe there is actually freedom. Maybe it's just in my head. I don't mm -hmm. know. <laughs> I mean, I remember I was in Albania last summer when you played at Unum Festival. Yeah. And the set times were like an hour and a half each because there were so many DJs. And I thought that was a little bit, I really enjoyed the festival, but I thought it was a, a bit disappointing that there wasn't a longer set time for people to like mm. really be able to get into it, mm -hmm. you know? In one and a half hours, you cannot really say a lot. Especially, I find with more minimal music, I really like a, like a really long set time, you mm -hmm. know? So with all of that in mind, outside of like organizing your records, obviously, how do you go about mentally or emotionally preparing for a gig I'm not, I'm not sure like I mean what what do you imagine some people would like maybe take some time to, to themselves for the few hours before a yeah, gig or okay, okay, you know okay, yeah. meditate or do yeah. yoga or I when I play gigs abroad I usually 
don't come to the gig too early because it will affect me how like the music that has is played before the situation you know if it's really good and the party is really good and I maybe put some pressure on myself and like feel like okay now I have to deliver mm. if it's not so great it might take me down like oh no it's not uh, mm -hmm. you know so it's I, I like to arrive there fresh I usually take a nap also before because uh, I cannot uh, stay up like the whole evening <laughs> and night and that play my gig I need to always like take my naps before yeah I had situations where I meditated also, but this is not like a regular one. Like, would you say that DJing is a, maybe not taxing or tiring, but like a job that takes something out of you? Like, I think people have this impression of being a DJ as like just fun all the time. Mm -hmm. And then, then you read about on the other side, DJs that are suffering from like burnout or anxiety or just mm -hmm. being really tired after like mm -hmm. having two gigs a weekend every weekend for, mm -hmm. you know... 11 months of the year kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Is it like that for what, what type I, of I, like I that? think there's definitely a price to pay for it, you know. I mean, what what's hard for me is, um, you know, I have my dogs at home, I have my boyfriend, it's like kind of like a small family life. And um, after so many years, like always having to leave, you know, there's always mm. being separated. Sometimes on the other side, then you have to bridge the weeks. You know, like, and you're, a lot of times you're also, like, spending a lot of time alone. I'm actually fine with it. I think I can handle all these situations quite well, but I can see why um, why people are affected by this. You get so much attention and cheers from people, you know, in the club, and then you come to your hotel and all of a sudden you're all by yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and, like, uh, okay, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a very contrasting. And, and a big part of the DJing, the actual job, is very isolated the preparing of the music you sit alone i, I oftentimes you know just sit alone in my music line goes through all the records and da, da, da. then you travel alone you know sit on the airplanes you sit mm. alone at the hotel you have to all the time meet new people you want them to feel good with you you know you want to give them a good feeling so you kind of have to not act a little bit but you you um like put on a happy face. Yeah, kind of put on a happy fa face, you know, and, and, and sometimes you just don't feel like that, you know, maybe mm -hmm. you want to just be left alone, as same as we spoke before, you know, like when you actually have to play the gig. I'm always having to socialize it, for example, me, it affects me in the way that during the week I don't want to socialize a mm -hmm. lot, which is also a bit sad because then I don't get to see my friends and during the weekend I also don't get to see them. And of course I could change that, but it's just like I feel like I need this time for myself because I was all the time with people, I had to have conversation that I maybe was not in a mood to have because it's just part of the job you know like you don't want to be like this weird person that is not talking to anyone yeah. you know it's because I'm also grateful you know being invited and I want to I want I also like many times I want to talk to the people I'm curious what kind of people they are you know mm -hmm. that invite me and luckily most of the times it's people that I find quite nice and friendly and I have a lot to talk to them, you know? That's actually something that I hadn't thought about when I was making that making up that question is the social aspect of it. And for me, that would probably be the most tiring part because I'm quite an introverted person also. Mm -hmm. So even for me as a person who goes out most weekends, I find that quite tiring being around people all the time. Uh, so I can imagine when it's your job, mm -hmm. it can be really tiring. Yeah. That's what I also mean probably like what we spoke in the beginning, like this giving a lot of yourself. It's like you you um you make a compromise on like 
how you actually feel what you would like to do, but you do it in favor to make this job work and like sacrifice some of your privacy. And f there's also a lot of pressure, you know, like this expectations of people that like a lot of people, when, especially when you start becoming more known and people know who you are and they come to the club to hear you. That moment of transition from when you like were like just a DJ, whatever, you know, like mm -hmm. and then people like pick up on you and they they uh, they start talking about you and stuff and you get attention, get more gigs. There's a lot of pressure to fulfill these expectations and you have to kind of mentally be prepared for that. Then staying true to yourself and to your essence is not so easy because, of course, you want people to have fun and um And we want them to enjoy and you're afraid to maybe disappoint them, like to clear the dance floor or mm. like, you know, people say, oh, no, but it. And you know, mm. like, so some people go the easy way because they cannot handle the pressure and adapt musically on something more simple that might work. You know, they mm -hmm. see other like the simple stuff might work, you know, and sometimes they change their music style and adapting to these expectations that they think people are having and playing safe you know mm -hmm. like trying to find like a safe also for themselves you know to not make mistakes you maybe all of a sudden see yourself picking uh the, the records that you know best that they know that they work in every situation right, right, you know right. and you don't challenge yourself anymore but i think it's actually really important to challenge yourself and i've been in this moment i had like a a brief moment where i feel like i lost a little bit my way and did not play necessarily what i felt Because I thought, oh, no, this is not going to work. People might not understand it. Let's rather choose this. You know, this is easier, like, and this is safe. But what did you do to kind of come back from that? I just forced myself <laughs> to play the music that I felt, you know. And I, it, it, there was also like a moment when I when I felt like, oh, I, I forgot how to do that, you know. And it was uncomfortable, but I went through it, you know. Sometimes all you have to and, do is just like force yourself and like yeah. accept that you're going to be a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, you have to get over it. And like, I mean, like we, we, uh, we grow with exactly this situation, you know, when we put ourselves in uncomfortable situation and we... Start thinking outside of the box or getting out of our comfort zone. In the same RA interview that I mentioned earlier, yeah. you said that in your early days you used to get quite nervous because you didn't have a lot of experience playing mm -hmm. on a bigger sound system, but that you still even now get nervous sometimes before mm -hmm. a gig. There's a really nice quote from a journalist that I really love called Ira Glass, and he says that when you're nervous before an interview, in his case, it just means that you want to win. Mm -hmm. So being nervous is just because you want to do well. Yes. Is that something? Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always, what I always said is like, uh, it's good to be nervous because it shows that it means something to mm -hmm. you. You know, like you just wanna, you wanna do it good, a good job, and you wanna succeed somehow and win people over. Wanna, you just wanna do something like your your thing well. You know, you wanna express something well. It mm -hmm. means something to you. Definitely, and I think people can often think about DJs as like. Or DJ gigs is like, it's just fun. But as you say, it's like something that really means something to you. So I think, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird kind of balance. I mean, there's so many ways. Like also there's DJing and DJing, you know, like there's mm -hmm. some that have a, maybe a bit more artistic approach to try to express something personal. And then there's maybe others that see it more as, a, yeah, I'm an entertainer and I enjoy that. Yeah. And I just play whatever that mm. works for people and that they're having fun and they don't also depends on your personality you know like if you somehow maybe more confident and don't question and just feel safe about themselves and they will not be nervous because they just you know feel comfortable mm. in any situation and there's others that are more insecure and so do you think that that kind of 
pressure on yourself is like crucial to you as a person who performs in front of people like if you didn't put a bit of pressure on yourself to do your best then you wouldn't do your best not necessarily no no i actually think oh i'm I'm not sure there's actually a rule i had situations um i remember like when my career if you want to call it like that like started you know, like there's like these little goals that you have, then you play at this club, mm-hmm. and then you play at that club, and you play at that <laughs> festival, and then you have your first gig abroad, and like you know, these little uh, step stones in your career that were important to you. And um, I was usually able to deliver quite well in those situations, even though I was very nervous and I had this pressure. But um, I also had like gigs where I was like super relaxed and they were amazing and I actually think this is the best condition to play in mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. just relaxed be present enjoy not worry no don't think you know it just doesn't happen all the time yeah I mean for me doing interviews I don't get as nervous anymore as I used to when I was first mm-hmm. starting out but for me even when I do get nervous now it all goes away when I start the interview like once I ask the first question and yeah. we start having a conversation for me it was also like this idea, I, I was always saying like I know how the set is going to be after the first few records. Mm-hmm. And I know if I like, bam, like I go into the zone already, or if I like get nervous and think about, okay, what am I mm-hmm. going to play? Mm-hmm. And start analyzing. And when I feel like it's, oh no, I'm too much in my brain. Now. Yeah, for me too. Like I find if I'm really not listening to the other person, I'm just focusing on what my next question yes. is going to be. That's always the worst yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with the music, it's the same. You should not like uh, travel too much. In mm-hmm. it's like the, the preoccupation, and then it's also the anxiety coming. You know, mm-hmm. anxiety is like when you live in the future. You worry about everything that might happen. Definitely, I'm a very anxious person. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, at what point does the kind of nervousness or anxiety become a bad thing for you when you're DJing? Is it just like you said, when you're you know in your head too much and thinking too much about the next record? It can be a negative thing. It just depends like how much you uh, you are giving into it. And um, I have to say, like it got so much better over the years for me. I learned to, um, even though I feel like the set is not going the way I want and I know that I'm searching and know that I'm more trapped and I cannot express myself the way I would like to, I'm not stressing out completely. If I'm messing up a mix or like, you know, the records, I'm always bothered very much when I interrupt the flow. At least when I perceive that I interrupt the flow because, you know, like other people maybe don't hear it like that or they don't feel it. And this is like a perspective that I also take that not everybody listens to the music the same way. Mm -hmm. And we know that we are creating our own world and our perceptions of like everything that we see and feel. And like it's it's very influenced about like uh, like our concept that we have in our mind or like how we want to see the world and and uh, in what mood we are in and then this is like you put on a certain like some glasses mm-hmm. how you see the world and maybe other people in that moment they think ah it's Vera it's going to be super nice and then they will they already took the decision mm-hmm. subconsciously that it's going to be nice right and then they will feel like there, like there was no flaws no mm-hmm, nothing mm-hmm. you know like they go, yeah, it was great you yeah. know in my mindset maybe it was different so I don't get engaged in these thoughts anymore you know it's like I can disconnect from like when I start having a thought oh no this was messed up and 
then I'm not anxious anymore about like, oh, the next one is also going to be better. Mm. And you're like, oh, you're starting to become afraid. You're the fear of fear, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you're starting to become afraid of, oh, I'm going to mess up again. And what if I lose the the, the, the crowd? What, right. you know, like, and you stress out and you put all, all this pressure is building up. And um, this is not happening so much anymore. That's good. I, I mean, I think that that's a really good point. How do you kind of stop those thoughts when they start happening? Yeah, Or yeah, and also like knowing, like with the experience, you know, it's like it's very subjective. You know how you how, what I just said. It's very subjective. Others might not feel it that way, and I think it's good to keep a poker face because I think the crowd can smell the fear. Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> and this is then what actually triggers this whole downward spiral and you think you did that but it's actually the, the, the energy you transmit so has the fear that we just talked about whether that's from a past gig or like from a mistake that you maybe just made has that ever kept you from you know playing your best set i don't know it's like there's sometimes there's phases when i uh, i have a series of gigs that i did not enjoy or that like where i felt i didn't perform well And I was not satisfied with the result. And like, you know, go to the next gig already with, oh, I hope this time it's going to be good. Mm. But this usually happens when I feel, when I'm in a transition musically, that I'm like looking for something new, like or something. And I don't, I feel like I don't have enough music that express what I want to express. Or like, mm -hmm. a, you know, there's like, there's a lack of music and like a wish to do something differently, you know, and then it's like, I cannot connect to my records. And then all of a sudden, you know, like I buy a new bunch of records and it flips, you know, like mm. it's like the whole thing takes a new turn. And then all of a sudden I play nice gigs again mm -hmm. or like good gigs. So hmm. as we were discussing this interview by email uh, over the past several weeks, you mentioned that these days you're moving more slowly and maybe more contemplatively. Mm -hmm. Um And that you're kind of figuring out what you want and need from mm -hmm. life. So can you tell me about that? I mean, um, with all this crisis and lockdowns that has been happening all over the world, I think like people are kind of forced to be with themselves, you know, and connect to their essence. And I think many are facing their demons also, you know, like mm -hmm. um, you don't have so much like opportunities to distract yourself. And I really, I also didn't look for this distraction. Um, especially when I was in Peru, um, like I, I've been for three times locked in Peru because I couldn't leave anymore from there. And um, yeah, it was like these emotional ups and downs that I thought that were quite important to, um, yeah, to get to know myself again and to connect to myself again because we're like so caught up in those daily routines and we don't question anything. We're just like just hamsters in a wheel. Mm -hmm. And now the wheel stopped and now like the hamster, okay, what am I going to do now, you mm -hmm. know? And you can, uh, this crisis, I mean, every crisis brings a big um, opportunity for change, you know, and uh, to adapt things in your life that you think they are not working for you anymore. And... Also now is a good time to question like the society we live in and like is what you are doing, uh, are you happy with what you're, what you're doing? Is this like something useful? Are you happy, generally, are you happy with your life? And like maybe you want to develop some new routines, maybe you want to learn something new, you mm. know, like. So what would you say? You've figured out, like, are you happy with being a DJ? I'm still in the process, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm still in the process. And also in Berlin, like, actually, there was a bit more distraction because we had more opportunities to go out. I'm at the moment, I'm trying to do a little bit of a reset 
uh, at home in a sense of like um, clearing out all the stuff that I don't need anymore. I mean, I've been in this process also over the past years, but never really had so much time for it. Mm -hmm. um, trying to downsize and um, try to understand what is it that I really need to live. And I think it's also a, a more sustainable way to, un like, to learn to consume less, uh, like buy less and understand what is it that I actually really need and use in a mm -hmm. daily life. Mm -hmm. So this was, was one part, like a cleaning, like a, it's a, like a cleansing, cleansing yeah. of the house. But at the same time, also, I think once I did that, I will also get back more again to meditating and also try to figure out, what, yeah, like on a personal level, what mm -hmm. is it that I don't need anymore? And um, yeah, see what, what, what else I could do. Mm. I mean... On Instagram recently, you said that you'd been doing yoga yes. and meditating mm -hmm. and like kind of like grounding. Yeah, grounding stuff. yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah, even if we weren't in like lockdown, you would still be doing those kinds of activities. Yes, I mean, I have two dogs, so I always go a lot in nature. But in the last years, it's been getting more and more, and I just feel like nature gives me so much, mm -hmm. and it calms me down. And like sometimes I just lay on the on the ground in the forest and I try to breathe the earth's energy and like give it also back and yeah it's especially now in this time I also I see a lot of people going to the nature now which I mm -hmm. see as a very positive de development like families with their kids the kids playing them building like uh, um, houses mm -hmm. of the branches <laughs> of the trees and stuff so this is really nice. I have a really a hard time like um, developing a healthy routine. So like with meditation and yoga, for me it's an on and off. I have phases where I do it like every day and then I kind of lose it again, mm. which was also due to my travel schedules and like the tours yeah. and stuff. Then you come home, you have jet lag and you're like kind of cannot be bothered to wake up early yeah. or like to actually do anything. When I spoke with Luke Slater a couple of weeks ago now, he was saying that he thought that being in the lockdown would make him like really productive and he'd be doing all these things, but really he just has like more time to procrastinate doing things now. That's also true. I actually realized that as well for mm -hmm. me that I kind of blamed it in the past on the travels. I think they, it has an effect, but I also tend to procrastinate and um, not face the daily challenge. I'm very productive. I'm always like doing stuff, but I tend to delay some important things but yeah at the moment I'm really trying to get my to-do list done at the same time I think for me actually now is also a time to not do anything because I've been very active over the last years and all this traveling and I I think I one of my challenges is also to allow myself to not be productive and to not um, do anything you know like and learn to, to relax mm -hmm. just be yeah. you know and be okay with that mm -hmm. not feel guilty not feeling you know, guilty not feeling guilty and sure. like yeah like useless or something yeah, like exactly. that. you're not you're a valid like part of society yeah. you know for like, me i'm kind of going through a lot of like if i don't do anything or if i don't especially if i don't see anyone or really talk to anyone because i live alone those days i'm like I'm so useless. Like, what am I doing? But yes. then I, everybody else is doing that too. So I think now is a good time yes. to just be doing nothing. Yeah, but it's, it's a weird. It's it's weird, you know. And this is what I mean. You know, I get in, in the situation you get to because I'm forced to like be. Uh, I cannot travel at the moment. I cannot do my work. You know, I cannot do my job. And of course, I can do many other things. Um, but it's a good opportunity to um, 
to look at those issues, you know, that you're having this procrastination, these like high expectations that I have of myself that always I have to be productive and mm. uh, have a result at the end of the day. And yeah, not to feel guilty about that somehow. So do you think all of this time off is going to change how you approach building your sets when you can eventually start playing again? Like, do you think you'll be more thoughtful about the records that you choose or will you be less thoughtful because you've been thinking this entire time? Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to affect... I'm, I'm not sure actually something would change. I just think I would choose the records as usual based on the fact how I feel in that moment and I don't know how I will feel. Mm. I don't know what the world will be like. You know, I don't know what... Yeah, That's true, yeah. What the situations will be like. Um, I would imagine that the sets will be very emotional mm. somehow because... There's a lot of to express from these times and also like for sure the happiness or the relief mm. to be able to play yeah. again and like have a good time with others and connect. And, mm -hmm. but yeah. and I guess like built up sort of emotions because there's been so long that you haven't mm -hmm. been able to express mm -hmm. anything. So tell me about how you build a set. Like this is something that you've touched on a lot in other interviews, but I'm wondering specifically about storytelling in a kind of emotional way. Mm earlier actually in the interview you said that DJing is a kind of the art of seduction has a lot mm -hmm. to do with storytelling for you so can you talk about that mm -hmm. um, I like uh, if you're not playing very obvious effective music that maybe many people would pick on easily um, you kind of need to think about like how you grab the attention of people yeah to engage them so um, like It depends on the place, you know, like where where I play. Uh, if I play, for example, in a situation where no people know me, uh, they know what I stand for, um, then I have a bit more freedom, you know, like, and I, I usually try to play something deeper and build a bit of tension, you know, mm. like, and not uh, lift it up too fast, but actually tease people a little bit, you know, and like, maybe have it a bit more hypnotic and get mm. people in a state of like kind of waiting, a bit of impatience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like ten yeah, tension. It's mm -hmm. just tension and like suspense, you know. Mm -hmm. I like that, a bit of impatience. I definitely understand what you mean. Yeah, because, you know, in the end when you're like the main actor, like people are wanting to hear you, they, they will not leave, you know. They're going to stay and then I kind of try to build up. I would have more dramatic moments then I will have emotional moments I will have moments where it goes deeper again and like more hypnotically I just want it to be a journey you know and I want it to be like when I would like people to leave from the party with the feeling that they actually um, they experienced something they went through different kinds of emotion and it kind of filled them mm -hmm. with you know there is like to connect to these emotions will um give them some kind of satisfaction. But I always try to finish my set, especially closing a party, br like bringing them home, you know, like mm. kind of like bringing them back inside of themselves and um, leaving them with a good feeling and not with a disturbed feeling. It really depends on the situation, on the crowd, you know. I know how I want to start most of the times. I know how I want to end. I, want, I know that I want uh, the set to go through different kind of... Um, emotional states but how I'm in the end building it it also depends on the records and on how they connect and stuff and usually when I play in places where I don't know the crowd very well I 
try to play something that is easier accessible and first play a little bit safe maybe um so it's not really disturbing i'm not already like starting to separate like people like disturb people yeah. with something you know like maybe first play a little bit safe and try to make it co coherent and then when i feel like i got i got them i start experimenting i mean it kind of goes back to what you were saying in the beginning about offering a lot of yourself like kind of trying to make a more personal connection with the crowd rather than just playing like this really rare record or with, mm. next to like this you know really popular record no, you know it's a, I mean? yeah, no no but you have to be very like uh, um sensitive like mm. and um careful also and observe and yeah what works what doesn't work i don't tend to um challenge people too much in the beginning i rather challenge them more towards the end when mm -hmm. i feel i open them up it's like yeah you feel you slowly cook them up you know mm -hmm. and then like eventually you open the pot and you yeah. stir it and put all kind of like stuff in like you know in their brains and somehow yeah i mean i think it's kind of similar with interviews for me anyway like i think anybody can ask you know, general questions about what your technical setup is like or what your opinion of, is of, of like vinyl versus whatever, like, you know, those regular questions. But I think the most important thing is trying to make a connection and then listening to the other person. And I think it's also mm -hmm. like that for Oh, yeah, teaching, for sure, you know? for sure, yes. So we talked a bit about uh, DJing in an emotional sense. So in your opinion, what makes a track meaningful or emotional for you? Is it contained within the music or does it depend on you know when you play it or where you play it or the crowd that you're playing it to no it's in the music i guess i mean like for me a track is emotional if it evokes an emotion inside of me so it's not only if you like you play it and there's a kind of emotional response to it no 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 mm. no no no, for it, it's it's it. I have to connect to the record on mm -hmm. an emotional level. You know, in theory, you could have this track that you find emotional, and it's the same sort of emotion if you're listening to it by yourself in your car as it is when you play it out. Mm. Or like, is is playing a track in a club the best way to experience music for you? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's like, of course, it, it's different because we have the, the whole crowd re reacting to it, but it's, I I always react the same on the record, I think, no matter in which situation I listen to it. Mm -hmm. So what was the last time that you played a track that's emotional for you that also got that kind of emotional response? Oh, uh, no, you know, two months without playing, yeah. it's hard to, <laughs> hard to, to recall. Uh, I don't know. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Because I think um, when you stay true to yourself and people actually come to hear you, the essence of you, and then you're not just whatever DJ that they go to hear and they don't know what, you know, let's go to a club, you have no idea what's playing there mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter to people. Um, the, adva the advantage is that if people know you and they come for you, um, they can identify mm -hmm. with you on a musical level i mean they come because they relate to the music and that's because the music um triggers something in them it's like a like a connection that you have through the music on a i guess on an emotional level also mm -hmm. maybe on an intellectual level mm -hmm, i mean it's like mm -hmm. there's different maybe on a spiritual level there's different mm -hmm. dimensions of this and um 
so many times, like a, a record that is emotional for me is also emotional for the crowd that I'm playing for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that depends, you know, like if it's a crowd that actually comes to hear me and that know right. what I stand for, you know. In 2014, you told the Goethe Institute that a DJ becomes an artist when he or she expresses something that cannot be said in words. And that this is why some artists reach more people than others, because as DJs, we reach people who can relate to our music and empathize with or understand our emotions. It's funny, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> it was in German, so maybe the translation's a little weird. Uh -huh. I, I never really thought about DJing in that sense of like relating to somebody else's emotions or how they feel about something. But you're right that when you go out to see someone that you know and that you understand, you know, you connect with their music and connect with what they're trying to say, It, the experience is better for you. I meant that it like this sensitivity of like feeling what the crowd, what is the vibe of the situation, mm -hmm. you know, like and what is, yeah, what like the energy in that moment and what it requires from you in order to, yeah, express and translate maybe. I mean, my point was that I think that's really interesting and like a nice perspective to have. Um, but I'm wondering if you think that there are people who come to your parties, for example, in Berlin, who don't understand where you're coming from or who don't mm -hmm. really know anything about mm -hmm. you or your label or the parties mm -hmm. that you're throwing and they still have just as much fun as everyone else. Mm -hmm. Or if they like don't care about this connection, you know? Yeah. Like people who just go out to have fun. Yeah. I mean, there's also like, it, it depends on the party, you know, some people that just enjoy a good party and if mm. they come and like, for example, I play and there's people that know me and there's like a good vibe and then they just pick up on it and it's like, maybe it doesn't matter, you know, maybe they don't get affected necessarily but by what I am telling, but mm -hmm. just, you know, because a nice party and there's a nice vibe, but this is also influenced, of course, by the way I play. Mm. I mean, it's... Uh, It's a, like a different factors that need to be balanced somehow. Mm -hmm. You mentioned in your emails to me that you like to kind of analyze the crowd in that mm -hmm. way. Can you talk about that a bit? Mm -hmm. Is there a time when you can be like too analytical of the crowd? Yeah, that's, but the thing is like I'm not, uh, it's, I analyze afterwards. I don't necessarily right. analyze in that moment. In that moment, it's like a mix of uh, intuition and experience and mm -hmm. Yeah. In your RA interview again, uh, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes you have an idea of what your flow is going to be and then you play something that doesn't necessarily, like, get, you know, work with the crowd. Um, and you said that the best thing to do is not, like, panic and try and fix it, but just mm -hmm. to, like, continue on with mm -hmm. your flow. Can you talk about that a bit? Um, I, I think in the, in the interview I refer to, like, for example, messing up a mix, mm. which is, like, you know, when the beats go all, all over the place and, like, it's, like, train mm -hmm. wrecked mm -hmm. and everything. <laughs> um, do you, do you just continue, you know? Like, you need to forget about it and stay present because otherwise you it goes in the wrong direction. You, I think the crowd is also quite forgiving with these kind of things. I think so too. Yeah, as yeah, I said, you definitely. know, it's like a lot about like smile or laugh about it, you know, laugh it off and mm -hmm. it's just, I mean, in the end, I think a lot of people can also uh, get um, infected by the good vibe of the DJ, you know, mm -hmm. like it's not sometimes not even so much about them. It's a combination of, of the energy of the DJ and the music that they play. Mm -hmm. There's some, I saw DJs that just, you know, like they, The records ran out, they like messed up mixes, like there was no connection between it, but they're just having fun and they're really into their music mm -hmm. also. And like they, 
they're, they're open and like they are having, they're enjoying themselves and they're enjoying pl playing and like enjoy the crowd and the crowd totally goes for it, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, and I think for most people anyway, it's not like everybody goes home and is like, hey, remember, you know, how that DJ had that little mistake in their set? No. Like most of the time no. people are going home and talking about how much fun the party Those was in general. Those are only the gooey people that are probably maybe jealous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They try to kind of... Exactly. Uh, yeah. And so how does all of this translate into being a promoter and throwing parties? Um, you know, with Meliflow specifically at CDB or at Hopitasa, like, are you thinking about this kind of like emotional sensitivity factor as a promoter? Uh, well, yes, I mean, what we um, we also take into consideration that like we want people to feel comfortable and um, like enjoy the party and hang out. And like we try to, you know, like um, like we, we bring fruits to the people. We, have, we used to, uh, did that chill out room that we actually mm -hmm. initiated there at CDV. Um, that now also a lot of other crews are doing, which is super nice. But to um, consider how people feel and what they need in the party and to feel comfortable, feel welcome, you know, like to, um, yeah, to, it's it's important that that your crowd is comfortable and happy. And um, yeah, and I think that's also why like our parties are usually, they have a super nice vibe because mm -hmm. people know that we care for them, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, definitely. So does that also... Is it is it also that way with the artists that you're booking, for example? I, I know that a lot of them are your friends, but do you also feel that sense of responsibility to make them comfortable? Of course, mm -hmm. of course, yeah. Like we do this, like we always make a little care package for the artists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I've seen them. I <laughs> saw them, yeah. It's like giving them little gimmicks and I don't know, like just, yeah, try to uh, yeah, see what they need. And like when the sets are changing, you know, like when you just come to, yeah, like, a, like when one... DJ stops near the starts. We always try to be there to make sure you know that like everything is working. Mm -hmm. um, like there's always one of us is around and looking after. Mm -hmm. like, Alexandra, me or Susanna. Susanna is a, a part of our team as well. And I think they appreciate that. You know, like definitely. Like I mean, as a touring DJ yourself, is that something that you? hope for when you're going to play a gig elsewhere that you have you it, know promoters that look after it you it is definitely nice if the promoters are checking on you it's not a must but you know like it's a bit of a bummer when you get booked somewhere and then the promoter or like maybe the not all the promoters can be there all mm -hmm. the time you know like cause some some book sometimes we have contact with the booker sometimes with the promoter sometimes there's like an artist host in the night so it's um and i understand not everybody can be there all the time but it's nice if they show up and are spending some time with you in mm -hmm. the dj so you see them on the dance floor it just gives you uh, uh like a feeling that they care you know mm -hmm, definitely and um if they're not uh, looking after you at all it's kind of sometimes pisses me off yeah, to be honest it's like oh yeah this is like it kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning about just being really isolated as a dj like sometimes when you go somewhere that you've never played before and you're, it's a different country that you've never been to before uh i'm sure it can be really hard to feel like totally at ease so it probably helps a lot to have a promoter i mean there. at least like it's like as a host you should at least make sure you know that there's drinks or like to double check okay is everything working you know it's equipment i had situations you know like where the promoters didn't drop from like the turntable was not working properly or a mixer channel was like making problems i had mm. nothing to drink mm. you know and it's like what the hell you know like <laughs> 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 and i think also for us as 
people who go to your parties, it's also really important to see the people whose party it is on the dance floor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think that really is something that's really special that you three are always there. And Susanna especially is there mm-hmm. for like the, you know, yeah, the entire yeah, weekend. Yeah, she's hired for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, she's, so I think she's it's still taking care of a lot of the hosting and stuff because Alexandra and I also have to play. And so mm-hmm. she's like, but usually we, all the three of us are trying to kind of be there. And like, mm-hmm. definitely. It's a long party. I mean, it's 36 hours. Like, yeah. It's hard to be all the time around. So do you think that a lack of sensitivity like we just talked about is something that shows whether you're a promoter or even when you're a a dj probably yes i think you uh, you attract what you um uh, how would you explain that yeah what you put out or like uh, if you're unsensitive and treat situation and in, uh, without any sens- sensitivity, you attract also people that are like that because the people that are sensitive, they would feel that and will not be comfortable, you know. Yeah, so maybe the parties would be different. Maybe you find a bit more people that Insincere. are just a bit more yeah. careless. I think it all comes down to you get you uh, receive what you get and you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you receive what you get no that was uh, you, you get, get what, what you give rece- yeah <laughs> get exactly what you give. <laughs> get what you give so um how are you hoping that things will look 3 months from now or 6 months from now or a year from now when we start being able to have parties again like do you think that things will be different for you as a person who's throwing a party or as a person who's a promoter it's really hard to say mm-hmm. probably it will be different mm-hmm. i mean it's so unpredictable everything at the moment i would not be surprised if things would super calm down and every like not everything go back to normal i mean like if there would be some kind of twist in this whole mm. plot that we are in like but also, like, at the moment, it seems like things are going to change quite a bit. And I, I, can, I, I really don't, don't try to imagine it mm-hmm. because it, there's, like, it's open, you know. It's, I mean, at the moment, everything looks like we're going to probably party with masks for a while mm-hmm. or, and with much, much less people. And it's just weird. I'm not even sure if I want to be part of that, to be honest. I really had to say mm-hmm. how this is all going to look in the future and what will be my role and like how I will handle the situations and uh, and what kind of activities I will want to be involved. I can really not tell. Earlier you said that you hope that when people leave a Melly Flow party, they feel like, you know, they're satisfied that something's mm-hmm. been like a meaningful experience for them. Do you think that or do you hope that I want these to- Experiences will be more meaningful, you know, when we finally get to do them again. They will be definitely because they're like people who are, will be very thirsty for <laughs> for this uh, experience, like coming together again, and they will be automatically very rewarding and f- fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people will just be like very relieved and enjoy being together again. So this is automatically leaving them with a happy feeling. It's probably going to be very easy to play. You're going to be grateful for everything, you know. It's like you don't have to put much effort. No, but <laughs> oh, I don't know. I find, what I find really interesting is actually, um, I wonder h- how the club scene is going to change. Because, you know, like festivals for sure are not going to happen so quick. Mm-hmm. What about all these festival DJs, all the big DJs? They also will want to work. Mm-hmm. A lot of them will try to, start playing smaller clubs because maybe smaller clubs are going to open again. 
uh, will they adapt their fees? Will they like be like a yeah. healthy development towards like paying more normal fees again? People will earn less again, which I think would be totally fine because it kind of went in a direction where it's like not sustainable mm -hmm. for many promoters and mm -hmm. clubs and everything. But then again, um, what happens then to all the let's say middle class DJs and smaller DJs if mm -hmm. the big DJs come and want to take their places are the clubs going to be who are they going to favor yeah, you know exactly. and are there still going to be clubs because at the moment mm -hmm. uh, a lot of places like are struggling financially and it's uh, they, like, there was a lot of places will disappear if, is, if it's going to continue like this I mean at the moment already I think a lot of places can just not open mm -hmm. anymore because they will not have the money yeah, for definitely. that. So Which this is a development uh, that I'm, I'm wondering what's actually going to happen if it... Uh, I mentioned in like some conversations with friends, there's this German word, Gesundschrumpfen, mm -hmm. which means to shrink down to a healthy level, like right. to shrink to a... In my, I interpret it also like to a sustainable level. Uh -huh. And I think that's, that is what has to happen also because I think it all got way too commercial and um, uh, they, you know with the fees and it's not a sustainable mm -hmm. thing definitely um, in the electronic music scene so I'm hopeful that there might be some positive developments too but it could also be that many that have been playing before a lot are not going to play at all anymore yeah I was going to ask you like are you feeling optimistic about this situation as um, a DJ? I'm not sure. Um, I want to believe that I have established myself uh, for uh, a sufficient long enough time to not be forgotten and uh, that I have a certain crowd that follows me and pro uh, like promoters that appreciate me and will want to book me again and people will want to come to see me again um, but uh, yeah as I, know, I said I don't know if there will be enough places uh, to actually play I think there will be a big demand for parts there should actually be a lot of work but the question is if there will be places or mm -hmm. will it be maybe there will be um, maybe it will come back to like illegal parties maybe open air parties mm -hmm. maybe people will claim their right to uh, uh, go out and enjoy and that's interesting that you said about fear of being forgotten that's something i hadn't even like considered in this time for i think a lot of people who especially djs who are just starting out and just kind of starting to make a name for themselves and now taking this huge break mm -hmm. from you know interacting with people i think that's uh, a really legitimate fear i guess yeah but i guess i mean the ones that um just had a had their moment people will remember them i guess i hope i mean i hope so yeah i hope so too as i said you know like it's it's this this question about like what's going to happen with all the other ones will there be enough places will there be enough work for all of us basically mm -hmm. i could actually imagine that um djs that um are just upcoming that still don't take so many fees but they had their moment they mm -hmm. work like quite a bit hyped but not so expensive yet maybe they will play a lot because mm -hmm. they you can pay like pay them they are fine with like not too big fees mm -hmm. they have been before so they will be again but still they will fill the club you know mm -hmm. although the clubs will be full anyway if mm -hmm. there are you know i don't know it's, it's, a, it's a very complicated thing to imagine what are you most looking forward to about going back to djing those moments when you connect with everyone, when you just 
like expressing something. I kind of look for I look forward to like having a nice party with friends and like a nice crowd, like our parties or wherever. Actually, like to, I just wanna. Yeah, I hope I will have the opportunity to express my feelings of those time, if of this, of that time, you know, the moment when when you just. I see DJing and music also something very spiritual, and this moment of transcendence, you know, when you just become one with the others, and like the music lifts you to a different kind of state of consciousness. This is my motto that always makes me want to play again. Sometimes I'm really wondering, like, maybe it's not even that. I mean, of course, it's the music also, but it's more this what I'm looking for, mm -hmm. this feeling of unity and connection with others and the sharing a moment, heart-opening experience together. Mm -hmm. 